Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Spinderella cut it up one time. We back, baby. The only combat sports show that tells you how it was. And, of course, how it should be, Morning Combat. Uh, this is premier digital programming right here, Friday, March 4th, 2022. I'm very pale, a little bit beige, too. The BBC with that BDE, Brian Campbell, uh, fired up to set the stage for the weekend to come and tag in my partner inside this ring. He is from North Marietta, Georgia, but he lives or sorry, old Marietta. Sorry, get that right. Yeah, I but did live in North in, Marietta too, but yes. In the nation's capital. He, wow, a little high and tight update on Luke, just like myself. It is the one and only Luke Thomas. BC, true or false? Did you dye your hair with shoe polish today? Uh, this is not. This is actually not a dye job. It's actually a strategic cut job because okay. the majority of my gray comes here it doesn't come up here unless it goes a certain length luke so this is a very strategic let me look a little bit younger on your ass haircut update that i guarantee i did not pay a hundred dollars for yet luke i got the massage the hair wash with it i got a lot of extras not the extras you know that you that mr Kraft is into but you get where i'm going with this how much you pay for that shit bro yeah well i paid dc prices which are just Dude, tell the folks the truth. Did I not send you a picture of a home for sale that looked at best, at best, mediocre? And it was 1.3 to start. Yeah. I was like, what is fucking happening? Luke, you got to get out of the there. are out of control. You had a good run in D.C. Get out now. Find a new place, okay? It's time. You know, preferably, preferably closer to the studio there that we rock in J.C. Jersey City that we put out. Resume review this week, Rooftop Diaries with Chuck Mendenhall. I mean, anywhere closer to that, Luke, and you and I may take this show to a level that I don't I don't think you're ready for. I don't think your bank account is ready. I don't think your personal time is ready. I don't think your public oh, my ba- recognition my bank account is, is ready. Very re- my, my bank account is very ready. Right, Super ready. Right. We're coming. We're coming. Um, Luke, Showtime, of course, being the label that pays us, jump out now for 30 days for free on Showtime.com. So much MMA, so much Bill Cosby, Doc. Good Lord. I mean, look, if there's one thing I learned from W. Kamau Bell from this uh, this 
doc series is that Bill Cosby is a way bigger piece of shit than I ever knew about. Like, he did all this other good stuff, too, I never knew about. But holy crap, Luke. Wow. Uncle Bill, right? Wow. Dude, he's a mega talent. He's a me- MK fans generally, I will say, are mega talents, and he is certainly one of them. Another reason to get Showtime, BC. No, I was talking about free. the garbage in his life, Luke. He did way more to them chicks than I thought he did. Well, Holy crap, dude. Oh, yeah. No, he's a complete monster. But I mean, just with the with, with when I tell folks this, it's not just like the stuff that airs live on Showtime. You can go back and see all the stuff that you missed, including, but not limited to, this documentary. It's just unbelievable. You can't imagine how nuanced and good and thoughtful this is. TV is, well, Showtime TV anyway is, it is booming, baby. Yeah, yeah, we we booming too as well. So uh, why don't you check out our merch site, morningcombat.store. Today, we are launching St. Patrick's Day merch. Yes, you can be the first to see it. We got baby onesies, Luke. We got bibs. I mean, finally, finally, Vio might be able to rock a little MK, I think, if she goes to morningcombat.store. Shout out to Tuki. Does she really wear onesies anymore? Not really. She'll, she's almost, she'll be three next month. I know. I'm not trying to put her back in diapers. You get my point. I'm, but I'm saying our guy, RJ Dunkelcracker, is, uh, he's figuring out how to please everyone, Luke, which is something I hope for your marriage you are also. Uh, yes. I, we're fine. Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right, Luke. Uh, we should set the uh, weekend going. Uh some big fights coming. We've got a little bit of uh, call me crazy today. And I have promised Luke under oath signed with blood that this will be the best 90 minutes in combat sports, but no longer Luke, no longer. Okay. Can right, I do it? Do it. Can, I'm I, ready when you can I fit it all in Luke? All right. Rocco said that a few times. Can I Luke? Just the tip BC. <laughs> all right. Uh, download and subscribe. Of course, like this video. If you like what we're doing here, we got so many great interviews uh, youtube.com slash morning combat do not miss as i teased uh pregame preview for ufc 272 resume review of colby covington a lot of good independent interviews as well in the boxing and mma world luke's got some good solo stuff so check all that shit out and there are our social channels luke people don't come here though to hear me ramble they come here to get your hot takes on all things mma and ufc 272 luke and it goes down Grudge match style this Saturday. Of course, it's our first topic. Friends turned foes. It is Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal. Finally, Saturday night, five rounds, welterweight, non-title, main event. The The storyline's been beaten to death, as have we, Luke. But before we can get we, into the Can we talk the about picks, that presser real quick? Just yeah, real that's, quick. What, I'm, what, that's what I'm teeing up. Before okay, we get okay, into the picks, Luke... It's it's normal that we would come on this show and rip a UFC presser in this modern era. It's normal. But with that said, Luke, it ain't the weird-ass media's fault this time. True or false, that was what we saw on Thursday. Aaron Bronstetter's tweet wasn't wrong. That you know, That's like the worst. That's as bad as it gets, Luke. That's probably the, the most painful watch. It made me like the fighters remote, you know, separately less than I had before. It kind of made me not as excited for this fight, Luke. That's extreme. You, that's aggressive. Am I wrong? I, I I didn't watch it live, so then I watched the takes afterwards. And to your point, Bronstetter, but not just him, dude. Grabaka Hitman, Kaposa, he hated it. Everyone I followed seemed to think it was, at, at best, a mess. And that, if anything, they might have dissuaded buys rather than adding them. I don't really believe that. If you look at the comments on that video, which, again, all of this is all very anecdotal. They had a very different take. Most people seem to love it, so I don't think that it will affect that. But... 
you know, if you're above the age of 30 and you're watching this, you're like, what have I done with my life? Uh, I'm losing brain cells by the minute. But there wasn't even like a couple good moments, Luke. It was like straight. Just what am I listening to, bro? Yes. It was two brothers arguing. Isn't that what it sounded like? Sounded like two brothers in the front yard arguing over God knows what. And I actually saw people say, as I indicated, it would dissuade views. I really don't think that. But what I think I did see some of as well was like, this made me worry about the way the fight is going to go. Not that they're actually going to be at each other's throats, but rather that because they had this weird kind of smothering reaction, the fight will be boring. Now, we had sort of said that there's also a possibility of that. I'm just saying... People seem to connect how bad the presser was to the possibility of the fight being bad. Just not really the look you're going for the Thursday before the fight. Yeah, and I don't come here to like happily pile on everybody, but a couple things need to be said. Normally, again, we're blaming the media for their line of questioning or their lack of decorum, but this was like Jorge was just doing poor man's Connor second-rate shit. Colby was not only as annoying as hell, Luke, but I don't even know... Like, he, he just could he doesn't have a character right now. The character is just, how could I be as vile with every statement as possible? But it's not even focused or funny. And then, Luke, dude, can somebody get Dana White a, an air an airpiece with somebody telling him what, what's being said? Because, like, this old man routine of, like, sorry, and I, and I respect that he's, you know, lost hearing in one air from sparring, he says. But, like, it's embarrassing. Like, this, these, you know, Dana's already, Luke, going to barely answer the actual theme of your question if you're lucky. But he can't hear shit, Luke. I mean, it's just, it's just it was it was really it was really a bad presentation. Uh, you know, an 8 p.m. Eastern start. You're like, this is going to be good, man. This is going to get me fired up. And damn, dude, damn, that was weird. But Luke, it's not going to matter when they touch gloves unless unless what we talked about and teased on Wednesday. And you just brought it up a second ago, whether that emotion plays into the fight and has potential to alter strategies, outcomes. And all of that. Uh, Luke, I think that's a good opening question here as we look at the odds and what, what we've both agreed. Look, on paper, stylistically, this has, you know, age-wise, everything. This obviously has potential to be a big-time Colby night. That's why DraftKings has him as a favorite, minus 335, plus 264, Jorge. Obviously, those aren't, like, earth-shatteringly dominant odds, but we get what could happen here. Luke, what role will all of this bullshit of the hatred of all of that actually play for Jorge Masvidal and potentially helping him widen the the odds and the gap between them come Saturday night? I think by the time the fight comes around, I don't know what any of this will do for him. It is possible that Colby could get baited, as we've sort of talked about previously a little bit, into making some kind of tactical error or... Um, Jorge could elevate his game with the proper motivation on fight night. But I really think all of that comes back to what he's been doing in the gym, which is I'm trying to simplify this as much as I can because there are so many like weird variables here that are slightly unusual or just hard to know what they mean. I think if you're going to see an elevated performance from Jorge, it's because he had an overall elevated training camp relative to previous ones. Now, Bo Nickel, um, three-time national champ at a Penn State, has been down for a few of these, but certainly for this camp as well. That can only assist him. We did see, by the way, BC, when we did the resume review, how much, you know, it was limited, but it was kind of noteworthy how much success RDA had, I think, in the fourth round. Trying to take Colby down, that was probably a round that RDA took, maybe. I mean, that's a little bit debatable, but certainly according to uh, some people, that was one of his better performances in that fight uh, in terms of rounds. And so I think, you know, if you're asking, like, what will all of this mean on fight night, I, nothing, really. I think... 
it will mean something as it relates to the prep and what that means when they ultimately meet. I think, simply speaking, Colby's probably got enough of a wrestling vantage to to maybe ride it out. Um, it, it's like, am I doubling down here? Because I want Jorge to be com- more competitive. I want this to be a fun fight. Everybody does. That's why you're tuning in. That's why you're paying for it, you know, in theory, if you're a fan. Um, Storyline-wise, I, I just think, Luke, it's not much, like, it's a wish, but I really do think we're going to get the best of what is left inside of Jorge. And and, and you and I have done, you know, with Chuck did the pregame preview debate, rightfully so, of, you know, can 2019 Masvidal still come through that door? Or that's not the right, you know, that's the wrong question, BC. This is the right one. I do believe wholeheartedly this is going to be the best of what he has left at 37. He's going to need to lure Colby into a brawl in theory to have his best chance. You know, is I just don't see, I don't think, Luke, the worst case scenario is going to happen. I'm not here to tell you necessarily that the Masvidal upset pick is like graspable. But what I will say, and tell me if you disagree, I don't think we're going to see, you know, Jorge get TKO'd because he gasses out late in round four in a, in a fight that he loses completely one-sided. I also don't think, given Colby's striking realities, that he's in for any kind of replay of what just happened for him in the Usman rematch. I think win or lose, he's going to come in be willing to go five rounds, physically able and, and, and willing to, and is going to give a good account for himself, trying like hell to find an angle to win this fight. Do you have any fears, given all that other stuff? Fears, no. Uh, expectations are the only thing that I'm trying to work around here. I think this actually might look a little bit like the RDA fight. Now, RDA is not Jorge, but you know a 155er who is moving up to 170. Jorge's a little bit bigger, but still, he's not like the biggest 170er you've ever seen. So that plays a role. A guy who can kickbox, who can do a little bit of wrestling, can kind of do a little bit overall. I know, uh, excuse me, I know that, um, excuse me, that RDA has uh, a a something of a pedigree with a black belt in jujitsu. But here's the thing I'm thinking about, BC. I think I think Jorge, excuse me, I think Colby will pursue a similar game plan like that. Where remember in that fight he had 18 takedowns. I don't know if he'll get 18, but he's probably going to attempt upwards of 15 to 20 if it goes. Let's say the full five. I suppose if it doesn't, then that's out the window. So I'm expecting something like that. I really believe BC. You know, what to expect, what not to expect. Here's the one thing I feel reasonably comfortable in saying, which is the person who has the onus on them, not to do like gimmicky bullshit, but to get out of their comfort zone and try things that they may ordinarily not try against another opponent of a similar type, I think is Jorge. I think it's Jorge. Jorge's got to be the one that's got to do a little bit differently. You know, if the jab is working and Colby can't get inside of it, great, but that seems... A little bit unlikely. Yes, Jorge can kickbox, but that by itself seems, you know, that's going to be good, but by itself insufficient. He's got decent takedown defense, but you would imagine Colby could control him at least for parts of the round. And so you go from there and you're asking, like, what could Jorge do? I really wonder if Jorge can find a counterfighting strategy to threaten submissions, threaten guillotines, threaten darces on the down block, on the stuff, against the fence when he's getting pressed. Find different ways to threaten with submissions to deter certain forms of action from Colby. Remember, Colby does have, he nearly got choked out by Mike Pyle. Granted, he scrambled like a motherfucker. We all know that. And he did get subbed by, who's the Brazilian guy? Uh, Wagner, or what's his name? Um, Warley Alves. Uh, Warley Alves, excuse me. Warley Alves caught him in the first round. Now, granted, oh, sorry, are, sorry. It are, was, it was, sorry. It was Tatiana Suarez, Luke. Sorry. Yes, it was. <laughs> nailed it. Finally, yes, nailed yes. it. Okay. Yes, it was Tatiana Suarez. Very fair point. But you know what I'm trying to say here? Those have been 
not exploitable weaknesses because, well, I guess in the one fight he lost, in the one he didn't, but they were like one of the few things that a lot of guys don't try on him anymore, and with good reason. But if you're Jorge, to your point, at the end of your 30s, you're getting close to 40, this is your rival, conventional tools that you typically go to are going to be valuable but insufficient. What's that next gear you're going to go to to change up the complexion of this fight? I think offensive wrestling could be one, BC, like RDA did a little bit. I think also threatening with submissions in the right circumstances can do a lot for you. Let me ask. I think I agree with you. I thought that was very well laid out. Um, I say I think Jorge is going to give the best foot forward, the best version of himself, and he's going to come to win, and he's going to try to find those openings for the finish. And to your points, he's going to have to really, you know, try some stuff. He's going to have to really go for it. We did a resume review though on Colby and, and we know what makes him not just good, but great. And some of it, Luke is that he is legitimately tough and game as hell and here for the smoke. Um, not in a reckless sense. Of course that leaves him in spots to get knocked out. Although he did get knocked out by Usman the first time in what was a incredible war of attrition between them and his face fell apart. Do you think, though, even though it's like Colby doesn't have world-class striking, but he has evolved and rounded it out in ways to make it more effective, but because he's so tough, do you think not just does he fall prey to any Masvidal attempt at trying to make this more about mano a mano than five rounds of wrestling, but forget it being a trick. Do you think there's part of Colby that is like, I wonder if I could stop this guy? I wonder if I, if you know, I wonder, like, you know, not only do I hate him, so part of that is pulling on me, of course, but what if I stand in there and, and, and knock out Jorge Masvidal? What does that say to who, to who I am, my pay-per-view value moving forward, and the belief I have in my own striking game? Now, Luke, I did just lay out for you the perfect spider web for Masvidal to try to pull this upset, of course, but how willingly will, be, will Kobe be to be like, fuck it, man, I'm, I'm about to show you what I'm about. I don't think that willing, at least not early. I mean, if you do, how stupid would that be? That'd be really dumb. He would go back to his corner if he gets out of the first round doing that. It's going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, you said it, though. That with- These guys are the worst risk management uh, aficionados <laughs> there is. What if it's not out about being a risk and just, I believe in myself so badly that I want to show this, Luke? You could argue that's what got him into trouble against Usman a little bit. You could argue that's what got him into trouble against Usman in the second fight in particular, that he got a little bit out in front of his skis in terms of where and how he wanted to strike and how he set it up. Right, Joe Rogan one time had a great explanation for it. Like, if you've never done striking, you just don't know what openings you're leaving. Now, obviously, Colby's been training for a long time, but he's not the technician that Jorge is. But, you know, willingly exposing yourself to that kind of risk for a prolonged amount of time Sorry, dude, I just don't see it. I could see it for in spurts, and I could see even a little spurts potentially being costly or changing the complexion of a round or a moment or something. Not to say that they're 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 they, they don't matter at all, BC, but like when someone gets their hand raised here, how much of that will be the contributing factor? I don't know, man. I I don't like we all want Colby and Jorge to match what the rhetoric is, but they're not they're not bad or stupid fighters. They're just not. So I just uh, think know, expecting them to go that direction is, is asking a lot. But again, it's not out of, it's not like ignorance or stupidity. It's like, look, Colby thinks he's on the level of Kamaru. He had two, you know, pretty epic fights. I mean, first one epic in action. Second one, just good strategy and, at, you know, adaptions from both. And, um, you know, he just watched his rival, Usman, not only beat him twice, 
but like handle Masvidal. Knock him the fuck out, Luke, right? You know, if you're Colby, you're like, well, how do I get back into that third Usman fight? How do I, you know, fulfill everything? I know, look. Oh, I see, yes. Colby's smart enough that he's already setting up the Poirier payday, and that's smart. We had Brian Ortega on the show talking about, hey, maybe I move up and wait and go after that guy. I mean, there's always the Connor. There's a lot of situations where Colby can make big fights, but I'm just saying from that standpoint of, you know, how do I get right back there with Camaro? I don't know. It's probably not likely. What is likely, though, Luke, to happen here? Because as much as Usman had natural advantages that were wide over Masvidal, it's not as if he relied on wrestling to beat Jorge. You know, he was actually, you know, really, that was in the midst of his striking evolution under Trevor Whitman the first fight, and then the second fight, God, did he put it together? How much, how early do you see Colby looking to make wrestling the dominant theme of this fight? If it's like the RDA fight, it will be instantaneous. So so that's the question, right? How much does this, and again, no, no two fights are the same or whatever, how much does he borrow from that strategy where he took it right to him, and even if he couldn't get him down, BC, he would press him against the fence, like just utterly smother and neutralize him. I tend to think it won't look like that. I tend to think he might take his time a little bit, but dude, he takes one hard sh- He knows Masvidal, right? He knows him. I think he takes one super hard shot from him and all that shit's out the window. I don't think he'll go to that. What I do think is a possibility is, you know, maybe he slugs it out in the feet because, you know, oh, he did it for Robbie Lawler, but Robbie was kind of long in the tooth and was just rolling with it a lot. So that's not really Masvidal's style. He's more of a stand and fire kind of type. What I do think is possible, though, is what if he can get Jorge down? Not like gas him, but, you know, put him out of second gear, uh, and I say that pejoratively, in terms of his offense. Like he has to reduce it to just manage all of this stress and punishment. You know, getting a TKO stoppage in the third or the fourth is really pounding him out. That seems at least doable. Ground and pound has not been his strong suit, but we have seen it at times. I wonder if he brings it back here. It was no part at all, for example, in the fight with Robbie Lawler. It was critical in the fight with Max Griffin. Which version of that are you going to see? I think probably somewhere a little bit in the middle, actually. That's interesting. Uh, That'll dictate, obviously, you know, as well as Moswell's reaction to that, both in takedown defense and how long he will stay on his back. That ultimately dictates the direction this goes and the outcome in the end. Luke, um... How much of a realistic chance are you giving Masvidal here outside of catching him with one shot? Haven't seen the odds, so I don't know what they say. I would say I give the uh, you know, 30-40% chance to Masvidal, something like that. I just feel like you got to be, you know, especially after last week's disastrous picks. I'm trying to be as as informed and as sober and as like what's just the, the likely possibility all this other noise notwithstanding. The likeliest one is that Colby controls the physical spaces on route to a five-round decision or something approximating that. It just seems like it's the smart money. I take the possibility, BC, of an upset by Jorge uh, as quite real and maybe even elevated over normal, but I don't see it as the likeliest outcome. Granted, though, uh, certainly there's been times he's been counted out and he has performed quite ably, but I, I just have to go with what I think the most rational perspective is. Would you agree that there is some level of, like, I think Bernard Hopkins. Now, obviously, Hopkins was so legendary in boxing that he did this a few times. But each time Hopkins did one of those old man achievements, whether it was like, you know, upsetting Felix Trinidad when he was 38 or anything he did in his 40s and moving up in weight, each time it was like an extra validation of making this guy a legend that you didn't think he still had in him. Would that would a win here be that same thing for Masvidal? Would you look at this as the biggest win of his career? 
Ooh. It'd be up there. It'd be up. It might be. It might be. It's 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 uh I I I'd have to I'd have to think about that a little bit more, but it's certainly up there. What I would say though is Bernard had a First of all, Bernard was a champion, a weight class champion, uh, more than just that. So there's a little bit of a difference in ability. Like the pedigree, Bernard was sort of was sort of seen, correct me if I'm wrong, you would know better than me, but the feeling I get in reading about him, and I've interviewed him a couple times, you sort of get the sense that this guy was a technical genius. Yes. And, and Jorge is very well-rounded. I want to be super clear about that. But no one has ever called him a technical genius in any of the one areas of the game. Yeah, Bernard I mean, less about style, more longevity. about impact of the moment, you know? Sure. Fair enough. You would know better. I'm just saying, and they weren't a little bit of a point. They're not on evil, even terms in, in terms of where they are received historically in their own sports before that as well. So, you know, it's not a perfect comparison. I'm just wondering as I try to sort of, it's like doing the math on the, not the X's and O's side, but the other side, Masvidal's hunger, the re the realities of, of Cove of Covington's, Blind spots, if there are any, in terms of you know of what might happen here, and I do think Masvidal though has you know I think I'm just that's the the picture I'm painting ultimately to myself. He's got a lot of motivation to really bring it here, Luke. And think of the Cowboy Cerrone thing, where sometimes for some of these guys it's like, okay, Masvidal may have never been able to beat Usman under any circumstance twice, so that was always going to be a monster uphill climb. But some guys also just sort of level out in terms of their ability to rise to the occasion on certain levels as well. And that's difficult to try to tease Masvidal into that conversation because his 2019 was all about him moving past boundaries that you thought were capable of him there. But um, it's interesting, Luke. It's interesting. I think he's got... I, I, uh, I'll say this, BC. Let's say, let's say, um, let's posit I, I, I saw Nostra, Nostra dumbass. I Nostra saw dumbass. that uh, yeah. Jorge, yes. I saw that Jorge goes to submissions and he actually wins either via submission or because he had this new wrinkle, blah, blah, blah. That would demonstrate a, an ability late in the game to really think through and then execute in that way. That would be new. That would be that, that might be his best win if he's able to show something like that. We'll have to see. Yeah, and obviously I think he's going to have to use the relationship between them and the fallout of it as fuel as much as he can. And I don't just mean that from the idea of luring somebody into a brawl, but Luke, they obviously have to know a lot about each other's games, all those hours of sparring, of helping each other fill in the weaknesses to the, that's natural. They're like, that has to mean something coming into here. We tend to think of it as more as, oh, one got the better of the other, so they've got like the big brother thing going. But look, you do really get to see the, 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 the foundational core of who that other man is. That's more of the wild card that I can't put my finger on. I made, I made the reference Wednesday to like when two brothers fight, no matter the age difference, the size difference, you just never know what's going to happen because it's so damn real and about emotion. I wonder what Jorge knows, Luke. You know what I'm saying? I wonder how much yeah, he I can wonder use what Col that. I wonder what Colby knows. Colby knows too. Uh, if you've ever sparred a, a lot of times with a person, it's actually hard to spar with them in the future unless you're doing specific kinds of situations because the the in, the, the knowledge of all the little tricks, the little uh, tendencies, how they balance their weight, whether they look for what, what's the slight little twist in their step for any particular kind of, you begin to pick up on all of that. Now they've been separated for some time, so I think that'll be different, but this is what I'm saying on the Colby side and the Jorge side, I I'm looking to see the person who's going to win this is, you know, again, because of the wrestling, you would have to naturally favor Colby, but that doesn't, you know, tell you who's going to win. 
But I will say, BC, I think the person who's going to win, um, they're going to show you that since those sparring days, they've made more progress. Who has made more technical progress from the days in which they were intimately uh, sparring with one another until today? That That's your winner right there. Is there a round that we get to where you believe the the odds of Masvidal winning decrease in, exponentially? No, not not by itself. If the fight is looking like shit in the round two, you're like, well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how we're going to go past round three. I don't, yeah, yes, in that sense. But I mean, do I think that like, oh, this guy's good for the first two, and then he fades down the stretch? Nah, not really. But you know, if Colby has built a commanding lead over three, let's say. You know that at that point a rally is going to be really, really difficult. I mean, we, you know, not often you see someone spot their competitor two sets in tennis and then they win the last three. It does happen in the majors, but it's pretty fucking rare. So the longer uh, that gets out of hand, uh, the worse it gets. The the last question I have for you, Luke, as if I've put you on stand here when I host on Fridays, is um, it's about the Masvidal magic of 2019, and some of that is just like. Right place, right time, right moment. Obviously, like the Askren knockout, which you couldn't repeat, you know, a million times again. Just how perfect. We didn't really even know what that fight, look, you know, could have looked like because of that. But he did show enough against Nate Diaz that at the peak of it, would you agree that that version of Masvidal, again, whether you can recreate it or not, like there was an extra level, not only magic to it, but look, the speed, like his foot speed, the way he designed, he would disguise his attacks like everything about what he was doing seemed the next level in that moment is there anything like strategically or technically he can look to do to recapture that outside of you know inject yourself with the same emotion you were feeling to help that helped fuel you that you know that one year at that one time is there anything he didn't beat nate he didn't beat nate diaz on motivation he beat him because he's just a lot better that fight would look the exact same way if they made it today if not worse um that's just a terrible fight for Nate and it's a really good fight for Jorge and it's by virtue of the threats that he poses versus the ones that Colby poses. I would not read into anything motivational there. That's just a really good style matchup for Jorge and he executed exactly the way you might imagine. I don't know, dude. There was a spark to him. There was a spark to him where he transitioned from like setup to to finish mode. I mean, it was just like, you remember? I mean, it wasn't just about tightening up his technique or being in the best shape he's ever been, Luke. There, there was, was a, just there was a brutality to it, right? I mean, he was laying it on him and not in the way that Jorge ordinarily does. I think that's what you mean. Like he's had, you know, close competitive striking affairs was a little bit give and take. This was this was just a this was a beatdown in large in large part. And I think people were like, God damn, Jorge is just fucking you know, laying into him and he was. But, you know, that's a completely different threat than what he gets tomorrow. Utterly, utterly different in almost God. every way. It's like whatever the, whatever the spirit was that made him that brutal and that, that quick twig, tri, quick, quick trigger. What's a quick twitch fiber, Luke? Is that where I'm going with that? You know where I'm going with that. Whatever that I'm was. For, I'm going for a 90-minute show today. I don't know about you. Whatever that was, Luke, inject that back into him. This weekend, did you see, by the way, and I, by the way, I hope it's not just uh, the spirit of something that we're injecting. Um, Luke, did you see that Suzanne Summers uh, page six of the New York Post story? She's 75 years old and she claimed in the interview that she's having sex with her 84 year old husband, sometimes up to three times before lunch each day. Like, okay. like there's just we off can, the we charts. Can, we can um, we can. But Luke, this. this this does circle back to you. OK, she claimed in there. That every Tuesday she injects him with testosterone, and then she ah. claimed 
She's like, Wednesdays are great in this house. Obviously, Luke, we we see a future for you when you finally man up and go on TRT that you are finally going to start living your best life and basically become a superhero. But, dude, Suzanne Summer's husband is like, yo, juice me up on the weekly, brother. Inject me with that shit. What would our lives look like right now if we went under that 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 treatment, Luke? Uh, it would look like a show that is over in about ninety minutes. That is what it would look like. You, you're not. You don't fantasize on, based on the oh, story. BC, about. you're killing me today. You are killing me, Luke. I've got a control of the timing mechanisms here, and you know what I mean. I mean, come on, come on. I got a tight fifteen up here, Luke. Okay, very. I tight. don't want to talk about Susan Sarandon fucking geriatric people. Oh wow, wow. Can you put some respect on the uh, on Suzanne Summers on there? the thigh master, Luke? When, how, how does Colby win this then? What, 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 what's your pick? Put it on the paper, Luke. Okay. Make right. the I'm just trying money. to do. I, okay. After last week's disaster, I'm just trying to do the best I can. And yeah. All right. All yes. right. Luke. No, hold on. Hold on. I'll just, I'll be, I'll be very quick about it. I'm going to, I'm going to side with Colby. I just think Jorge has ways to win and winning is very much in play. Forced to pick a side and who has the more likely path to victory. I will side with the wrestling in control of Colby Covington. Luke, I've got my brain telling me Colby's going to win this 50-45, but my heart and emotions tricking me into making the upset pick here, Luke. It sounds stupid, but I, I'm telling you, like, sometimes these things happen, and then we go, oh, man, I, I didn't expect that, or I didn't see that coming. And then sometimes we can play ourselves trying to get ahead of that curve as either, you know, gamblers or podcast hosts. But I got this feeling, Luke, and I've been harsh on, on Jorge at times, but I think we get the best of what's left, and I, and I think he has a shot to make this a real fight. And if he can keep it a real fight, Luke, he's going you know, he's, he's gonna to have to give. He's going to have to take chances. He's going to have to give, Luke. But it's possible here. I kind of like Jorge. It's, it's the emotional pick, but we'll see what goes down. Uh, co-main event, we know the storyline. Luke, plus 145, Hainato Moicano on four days' notice following hmm. a 14-hour flight. Close odds with the 37-year-old Rafael Dos Anjos. We know what's at stake for Moicano to sort of double his name value overnight. Do you think the last-minute nature of this favors either guy, though? Yeah, I mean, it's got to... I don't know what kind of shape Moicano's in, right? He fought recently, which is great, but then he was in Brazil. Who knows how much he was training? You do just have to wonder, like, if this goes past two, three rounds, what's what, what does he have left at that point? So that is got to be favoring Rafael Dos Anjos, no doubt about it. On the other hand, though, BC, you look at some of the other intangibles here, he's going to be three inches taller, Moicano. He's going to have a two-inch reach advantage. He lands a lot more, five strikes per minute as opposed to the 3.49 of RDA. He's a tall, imposing figure with a lot of volume, you just wonder, to your point, he might look good early in this fight. You might be like, damn, Moicano came here from Brazil and he's kicking his ass. But what's going to happen third, fourth round if it goes that long? That is the hard part to know. Really hard part to know. You nailed it. You nailed it. It's not about, you know, what does RDA have left? Dude, RDA is probably always going to have, you know, a certain level left for a long <laughs> ass time. This is about, was Moicano in shape at a level where he can realistically go five hard rounds? Because RDA is going to make you if you don't finish him. But Luke, all that said... I just think he's hot right now. 32 years old. He found his own division, Moicano. I had questions about him coming into that last fight, but boy, did he prove me wrong again. He's won three or four in this new weight class. I think you just take the rising ship who has nothing to lose, everything to gain. And let's not forget that 
four days notice is also hard for RDA to game plan and adjust for. Um, I like Moicano to win a, a fun decision because, Luke, if wow. he's going to go the distance, if he's going to go the distance here, it's going to have to be wild. There's going to be submission attempts. It's going to be a fight. I think he's going to surprise you, though. I love me some upset tonight. That's, night, a, that's an interesting pick. Dude, the thing is, I think Moicano is talented enough. Let me ask you this, then. Let me flip it around, uh, if I may. His last three wins, Moicano, all by way of sub. Now, he hurt him on the feet in many cases and then subbed him out, but still, by sub. How impressed would you be if he did that to RDA? Could be back and forth, but in the end, hurts him, subs him out with some kind of choke. How impressed would you be? Obviously, I would be really impressed, as we all would. I just, I'm, whether it's, you know, trying to get out of the head of the curve too too quickly, I just feel like we always saw something special in Moicano, potentially, but it's just been hit or miss, and some of that is the weight class um, change. Despite seeing him get handled by Fazeev, which gave me some pause, the overall body of work since coming to this weight class, dude, I think it's one of those surprises where, I, yeah, okay, I'm surprised, but I knew it was possible. And that's why that's ultimately what's fueling my upset pick here. But yeah, Luke, I just feel like, you know, RDA is going to be game. He's going to give him a good ass fight, but those last minute challenges are also going to affect him coming in. So um, Moicano's going to have to dump it out, though. I mean, this is going to have to be like one of those that were at the end. You're like, damn. Damn, bro. Remember, remember, of the two, of the two, Dos Anjos has a lot more experience in five-round fights, a significant amount more. He's going to know how to pursue this to the extent it goes late. And if Moicano is fresh, then I absolutely believe he can and probably will win this fight. But if he fades, that's a tough place to be against a guy like RDA. What a fight. People were shitting on this fight. I love this fight. Yeah, I mean, when it it actually happens, we're going to love it, and we should. It was just some of the emotional connections to Islam and all that. Luke, this other, there's the other fight, the featherweight bout, that is just like must-see, and we really don't know which direction this fight is going. Bryce Mitchell's unbeaten. Great win over touchy-feely, but Luke, he does not have that elite-level win yet that really hammers home the full belief Against Edson Barbosa, who is always going to be dangerous as hell, plus 145 for Edson, minus 165 for Mitchell. It's the young, again, it's the same scenario. It's the younger fighter, much younger in this case, who's on fire right now. Have you seen enough in Bryce Mitchell to believe that that extends to the, to the elite or sub elite level, which is what he's going to get here against Barbosa? This is such a great fight. I love, love this fight for both guys. Dude, the win here would be so validating in either direction. Now, we've seen Barboza fend off attacks like this to certain degrees in certain cases. So, Barboza definitely has a lot more experience against this kind of thing than the opposite. I think Bryce probably has, of the two, in terms of veteran experience, he's got more of an uphill climb to match um, some some of the things that Edson has already seen. But, dude, you go back and watch that fight with Andre Feely. He was Bryce Mitchell. He was all over Andre Feely, like white on rice in that first round. Feely made it a better second round and then kind of regressed to the mean a little bit in the third. You just have to wonder two things about Barboza. One, what happens if he gets out of the first round? What what does that change for the complexion in the second and the third? Two, you would agree, I think, as good as Feely is, and I have a high a, a, a lot of respect for his game, Barboza is a much more physical specimen of those two. Hell and yeah. so... So when he starts landing on Bryce, how does he react? Because Feely was able to ward him off a little bit with some of the strikes he was doing. You can imagine if Feely could do that, in theory, 
Barboza could, but Bryce Mitchell's going to have something to say about that. Dude, I love uh, You have this to love fight. it. So first of all, I didn't end up getting that Thug Nasty interview. Uh, the, the, it just fell apart, but shout out to UFCPR for trying their best to try to put it back together. I'll get Bryce in the future. Luke, I watched a video about Bryce that was UFC produced that went to Arkansas. And again, you don't know how much of this is hammed up to to, to play the image, but they kind of made it seem like he willingly lives in a trailer off the grid and trains with logs that have cinder blocks at the end and, you know, only awesome. eats, eats his, his own grown vegetables right there. I mean... They kind of made good. him look like a like a folk hero. Like it was like it was kind of you know badass in its own way. Um, here's the deal, though. Yeah, he has to avoid the big one against Barbosa, no question. But Luke, he may have the perfect style and scrappiness to where that's why he's the slight favorite. Because Luke, there is a chance, great chance here that he could just go in full on grapple chase mode and in in time his shoots. And stay away on the outside from the big shots from um, Barbosa, and really just outgrind and outwork him. I I think that's the move. I think Bryce Mitchell's coming on, Luke. I really do. And even if I'm right, even if he is coming on, yes, you could still get one punched here because or one kicked because that's just who Barbosa is. But uh, dude, remember, we're gonna find remember out what a lot real quick, about Bryce off, Mitchell off, to close. Yeah, real, real quick, real quick, real quick. Remember what Edson Barbosa did to Benil Dariush. Right, that knee vertical to the ceiling, and he sent yeah. him to the land of winding ghosts. Look, look for one thing: how much success does Bryce have early? Even if he has a lot of success, that may not mean it carries over. But the opposite might be more important. If he doesn't have upfront success, then he might be in some real trouble. So we'll have to see how this one goes. Cannot wait. Look, best thing I heard all week: uh, Bryce Mitchell is like really good friends with uh, Big Tuna Ben Parrish. From Bellator. No way. Yeah, dude. Big, yeah. Shouts to Big Tuna, bro. Yeah, so, listen, uh, MMA's full of characters, and Bryce Mitchell I mean, is one of them. Glad to see he's crossing over. I mean, like, what if we did, like, MK goes to Arkansas? We take the dot cams, and we hang out with Bryce Mitchell and Big Tuna. Luke, while I know that A, will produce the most unique, life-changing content you've ever seen, two, it's going to get some clicks, Luke, but three, could you immerse yourself undercover that deep and put yourself in that world and hang out for two, three days for the, for only for MK Doc purposes, Luke. Is that possible? Sure. Would you yeah, buy sure. into something that crazy? Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm talking about we, we basically recreate Stand By Me, but with those two guys. And we just kind of like walk shirtless <laughs> by the water and talk about chicks and, yeah, get in wait, trouble. Wait, wait. Like, is Stand By Me, is that the one where the chick dies from the bee stings? If so, can that be you? Yeah. <laughs> You want to go see a dead body? Yeah, indeed. Uh, Luke, do you believe that Greg Hardy, a plus 165 underdog against Sergey Spivak, and by the way, uh, Hardy's uh, talking about fighting Anthony John. Like, what are we doing here, bro? Um, do you think he gets knocked out and cut by one? And I don't mean cut to the face. I mean cut to the job by one Sergey Spivak. Let me ask you something. Now that we've seen... Uh, you know, when Greg Hardy was knocking out Austin Lane on the Contender Series very quickly, you're like, wow, man, there's some real... He did say one thing he got clowned for, which I didn't understand. He's like, I'm one of the best athletes in the world. Well, I don't know if he's one of the best athletes in the world now, but when he was making all pro teams, oh, yeah. when he played for the for the Panthers, yeah, dude, he had, that that might have been a fair statement, actually. Uh, that's not, He was a fucking animal when he was at he his He was the prime. real deal Holyfield, Luke. There's no question about it. He was great. Yeah, so like, people are like, he's not one of those. I'm like, uh, that's, he's, that's not so far from the truth. But okay, here's the thing I would ask you, BC. Tell me I'm wrong. True or false, 
Greg Hardy is in actuality a much better fit for BKFC than he is UFC. Oh, well, yeah, 100%. Yes. And now, and I think yeah. it's coming because, Luke, I think him talking these interviews of saying, oh, no, I, I'm, I want to fight Anthony Joshua next, or I'll take Big Baby too. I mean, Big Baby couldn't be off the radar ever. Even, you know, he's had all those drug scandals and stuff. So it's showing you that Hardy's ready for that pivot, Luke. He's ready. You know, it, <laughs> I think he might be. I think he yeah. might be. Um, Listen, you, to answer the question, hold on. One thing about Greg Hardy, very quickly. Dude, there was the one fight where he, it was the one where he looked amazing in the first and then gassed in the second. I don't remember. But there was one round in the first where he was dealing. He looked oh, good. Yeah. I don't I can he get back to that? I don't I don't know because he always like looks good for a minute and then the whole shit implodes thereafter. Yeah, yeah. He is that guy in the basketball court who kind of just loafs around and then at like, you know, three times a game he just does some ridiculous move and you're like Dude, do that every time. You know what I mean? Come right. on, come on. He's got that that plus ability to just sort of look the part for those sequences. Um, yeah, so that's why you don't give up on him. But you know how many knockouts or blown fights can you have in a row? We'll see what happens. Luke, quickly, Kevin Holland minus three three five over Cowboy Oliveira. Holland the favorite plus two sixty. The Cowboy. This seems like an, another good bounce back. Kevin Holland win here. Oliveira could make it tricky. He could make it tricky on the ground. He has, you know, he has, he has decent takedowns, and he has a little bit of a savage kind of ground and pound game with submissions to kind of like work to together. So if Holland has not really worked on his game, and I think he has, but let's just say he hasn't, like all of this is for show, he might be in some trouble. But to the point you raised, I think he actually has really sort of elevated himself. And pure striking for striking, I think Holland tears him up. So. Holland should win this, but I actually like it. It's a pretty good test to get him kind of building yeah. back to where he needs to go. Tough fight. We also love that featured prelim in the women's uh, strawweight division, which is kind of like a could be a number one contender fight as well. Marina Rodriguez, minus 275 favorite against Yao Shanan, who's plus 220. You got to love everything about this fight. Luke, style-wise, though, uh, are the odds correct? If they both bring their best, it feels like Rodriguez is going to be able to, she has to walk through some shit, but she's going to be able to navigate and come away with an impressive decision win. Is that what you're feeling right now? I think she's going to have to play the levels a bit. If you actually look at their striking, it's so similar. They're all, By the way, their height, nearly the same. Their reach, slight edge for Marina Rodriguez, which could pay dividends if she's pumping the jab. But listen to this. Strikes landed per minute. Rodriguez, five. Yan Xiaonan, 5.9, which is, by the way, both of those are super high. Uh, striking accuracy, 49%, 42%. Strikes absorbed, 3 to 3.6%. Defense, 57 to 61%. They're, they're roughly equal in all of these ways. So the key for me is who goes first, who sets the tone, and then who mixes it up a little bit, I think here might matter a lot. Rodriguez has a couple more lanes, I think, to explore. I like her a little bit more in this one. But this is a, cluff, a tough, tough, tough fight, to be clear. And Rodriguez is on fire. Stops Amanda Hebes, gets... Uh... Decision wins over who? Mackenzie Dern and uh, Michelle Waterson. Waterson. So she's yep. ready. She's ready to, you know, she gets this win. And, you know, Shaunan is on this level. Uh, can't wait to see what this one looks like. Luke, uh, the, the grudge match, Marina Moroz against uh, Maria Agapova. Uh, they seem to want to, you know, scratch each other eyeballs out. Agapova is minus 190. I, I think she's got the better all-around skills, but she also can be mistake-prone, Luke, a bit. You know, not not just in the chances she takes, but we saw her completely gas out in that, you know, disastrous loss to Shayna Dobson. Um, who do you feel here? Because this is real emotion coming out here, Luke. Does that, you know, that, that could factor in. 
it's funny that we led with like could Colby and Jorge lose track of themselves and you know uh, the the you know start throwing down because they hate each other. Y'all, if you want to find the fight where people are just gonna like throw strategy to the wind to fucking kill each other, this yeah, is this the is, one. This is this it. is <laughs> this is it, bro. These two are all fucking business. They hate each other from their times uh, briefly trained together, and they had a, a massive, massive personal dispute. And a gop of a bro. She don't play fucking games at all. She will absolutely go after you in ways that are advisable and inadvisable. So um, who's going to win this one? I, I Fuck if I know, but it's going to be an ugly, ugly brawl. I feel like this one has real potential to go off yeah. the tracks. You can't, you can't miss it, dude. You really can't miss it. I mean, look, have you ever seen a, a not good, but great uh, chick fight when you're in high school? I mean, this isn't a fan friend. Oh, this yeah. isn't a PC oh, conversation. Oh, dude, I went to public high schools, bro. Yes, of course I mean, I did. Dude, there was once these two best friends. They were both hot, but they turned on each other, and they had a trilogy of fights the same day. I attended. I randomly was at two of them, Luke, including one Luke. When I got the bathroom pass, I was one of only two people that saw the rematch, the second fight. And it was, I mean, it looked like, um, you know, Nama Yunus versus uh, Young Jacek. I mean, it was just, it, you know, and it was insane. Um. Wow, that's very misogynistic that I link that to this fight, Luke. I know, but, uh, BC's like, they should allow hair pulling in this but fight. But it's true. It's true, Luke. Uh, hey, Boom Kelleher, Brian Kelleher, friend of the program, Luke, friend of all. Plus 550, though, the underdog coming in against Umar Nurmagomedov, minus 800. Luke, can you put Umar on the uh, on the Hall of Fame of um, Abe Lincoln guys who are about from the Smash Factory that are about to take over? Uh, you might be able to. Still remains to be seen a little bit exactly about what his upside is, but uh, yes, tough fight for Kelleher to put it mildly. By the way, if the we we hope that Kelleher, our co-panelist BC on the MMA yes. beat, yes, uh, I hope that a MMA beat alumnus like him can can get his hand raised. We like him a lot. Indeed, uh, Luke. Do you have anything else? Because I'm keeping a tight ninety here. You want to talk about two seven two? No, I think we've hit, I mean, just one more reminder. If you need more, our resume review is out. If you need even more than that, we did a pregame preview with Chuck. We've hit this card hard, even oh, yeah. with the changes to it. I feel pretty good about our coverage. Looks like we Pam and Tommy lead this shit. Okay. It was like, like that, but it was also caught on camera, Luke. You know, it's fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, Luke, good boxing match tonight. Uh, yes. ESPN Plus, top rank, giving us Jose Ramirez, who has not fought since last May when he lost, when he was dropped twice and lost a close and all action decision to Josh Taylor in their undisputed championship fight. This is his long awaited comeback from that, Luke, but he's purposely not doing, you know, the get, the get well boxing thing. He's going right back into the fire against the battle tested two division champion, Jose Sniper Pedraza, who you may all remember just three years ago gave Loma. At lightweight, like all he could handle in a very fun 12-round fight that Lomachenko won. Um, I love this, Luke, because this is what Ramirez is all about. And he's identified what he thinks are the problems of how Taylor ultimately won that fight. And by the way, Luke, 114-112 to 112 Taylor in that fight on all three scorecards. So those two knockdowns were the exact reason why that wasn't a draw for Ramirez. He claims the errors came in the way that he just sort of... Uh, was too aggressive coming in in combinations, and he essentially walked right into shots, including where he thought the referee was going to break, and he, and he just took his eye off the ball, Luke. I guess it's good to see that he's identified that. It's good to see him come back here. Um, but if he's not the same dude, 
Sniper Pedraza is going to get you. So that's what you got to love about this mm-hmm. fight. Uh, as as Ramirez goes back to the home in Fresno in front of probably twelve thousand fans. Well, here's the thing, BC. You would know more about this than I, so I have to do tape study and learn after the fact. Let me ask you this: If this is an accurate assessment, Ramirez has beaten guys the level of Pedraza. Pedraza, who has three losses: Gervonta Davis, uh, I believe. Zapeda and Loma has not beaten guys the level of Ramirez, and that might be all the difference. That's a that is that's not an unfair way to say it because even though Pedraza has won titles in two divisions and has given very good fights to elites, um, he's not overrated by any means. But but your point might be taken when he has stepped up to the highest level. He's beat the guys right below that, including for titles or or what have you, and he's always been a tough out. But can he also at thirty two? Uh, make a show that there's another level to to this you know second half of his career. That question's got to be answered, of course. I think we're setting ourselves up though uh, for a Jose Ramirez strong comeback win. And what Luke, you have to love about Ramirez is you know like there's nothing flashy. He doesn't have monster power. He's just one of those you know very good across the board in every category guys. And he's got a great gas tank and he gets up in you and throws responsible combinations. If he just tightens it up a little and uses the last 15 months or what, or, or not 15, but clo- uses the last 10 months, excuse me, to, uh, you know, just refresh himself in, in terms of the emotional turnaround of suffering your first defeat. You feel like this is a fight he should win, although we fully expect Pedraza to be competitive. But would you agree to this, Luke, that the Josh Taylor victory last week over Jack Catterall yet questions about the scoring and now Taylor saying he wants to move to welterweight does that make this fight much more important in Jorge in Jose Ramirez trying to announce that he's still the guy at 140? So one of the lessons I've learned in in covering boxing in, in my uh, earlier years and then now is that um, the system is designed to sort of protect the ones that people like or who are favored in some kind of way, usually all by some other skill. And what I mean to say is this is why you see these main events where it's like minus 1,000, minus 2,000, minus 1,700 for the favor. You're like, Jesus Christ, you know? I don't know what this one is. I don't think it's quite that bad. I think our friends I think it was minus 600. I, I, yeah, no, roughly. I, minus, That's right. Yeah. And plus 400, which, by the way, is fairly narrow for boxing odds. But what I mean to say is you're right, dude. I've had a few of these experiences, the Chris Colbert one now, the Jack Catterall one, um, where you're like, yeah, but if these really good guys are for some reason not in the zone or the other guy's having the night of his life or maybe they didn't take it seriously, all of these... In in MMA, it's so volatile. An upset can happen much more easily. In boxing, a few things kind of have to happen in conjunction with one another for that to really take hold. But we have seen it recently in, in, in not just last week, but in many other recent weeks. I favor Ramirez, BC, for my very amateurish analysis. I favor Ramirez. But I like you, I need to have a healthier respect for these upstarts. Granted, this is not a mandatory, but yes. that kind of scenario where they can over-accomplish against a somewhat unsuspecting favorite. The difference might be that Pedraza is more experienced and proven than some of those upstarts who either made up, you know, Cambosis upset yep. or, or Catterall. Yep. But I think uh, at the very least, style-wise, we're going to see a great fight, not just because yes. of the whole... Whenever Jose Ramirez fights in Fresno, I mean, I was there one time. I was there for the Jose Zapata fight. That was a you know a very close scorecard. Um, they come out and they pack it. And normally Jose Ramirez is raising you know money for cancer or bringing attention to causes of the uh you know interior valley there in in Middle Valley there in California. I forgot what the hell they call that. What do they call that, Luke? 
middle central valley central valley there you go you know the 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 heart the 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 communities there hardworking communities so but he does his work in the trenches with combinations and even though Pedraza is the natural counterpuncher to the straight ahead guy Ramirez, dude, Pedraza is sneaky and he likes to hide behind that guard and he'll stand in the pocket with you and they call him the sniper, you know, because of his counterpunching, but because Luke, he'll stand in and, and trick you with a few uppercuts too. So it's going to be good action as well as tactical. I just feel like the biggest negative against Pedraza is He's had the biggest success of his career at the lower weight classes where his punching power was more of a factor. At 140, I don't know if he has enough to make Ramirez go in the other direction. And if you can't make Ramirez go backwards, Luke, or you can't uh, out-hustle him, you can't beat him. Fair. Yeah. I mean, yes, I would agree with that general analysis. I just feel like Ramirez, um, they're both pretty battle-tested. But he's a little bit he's a little bit more proven against elite competition relative to his opponent. So, um, so I'll go with Ramirez. Even if Josh Taylor never fights at one forty again, which it seems like it, the future is going to be fun in finding out. Do they make all those titles separately vacant? Or are we going to have to start all over again in terms of building champions? But the matchups are going to be great. If Jose, whoever wins this, but if it's Jose Ramirez, of course, he could be the guy. You've got. Um, you got Teofimo Lopez now wanting to move to 140. You've got Jose Zapata looking good of late. You've got Regis Progre wanting big, big fights and, you know, could be the second best guy in this division as things stand right now in terms of ability. Um, now you also got Tank Davis sniffing around and Ryan Garcia, Luke, talking mm-hmm. about moving up to 140 sooner than later. Teo, too. Well, he's back, could, he, he, we'll see about that, but he has flirted with it as well. Dude, this could become the you know the 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 fun, trendy power division of the moment. So we'll we, we've see been talking about one thirty five, but all these one thirty five guys, they all want to move up, or at least they've had designs on moving up. Yeah. But then all the existing one forty guys have now have the sights set on one forty seven. By the way, we're Taylor. One thing about I, I saw in the Caterall fight, dude, he looked fucking monstrous with his frame. I don't know what kind of cut he had down to that shit or not, but him moving up is like seemingly not just because he. I should have lost to Catterall, but he's fucking huge. He should have been moving he's up huge. anyway. But but your, to your point, dude, all of a sudden, there's all these names that we had spotlighted in 135. We don't know how long they're going to be there. So a fun time to see some of this mixing and matching from 135 to 140. It's a great time. Yeah, yeah. Makes you want to, uh, yeah, makes you want to get really excited and and not be fearful that boxing's just going <laughs> to stab you right in the back for getting too happy, Luke. You never know. Uh, speaking of boxing, quickly, uh, DAZN on Saturday Damn, a very good fight. It was supposed to be Chocolatito versus uh, El Gallo, uh, Juan Francisco Estrada, which in a trilogy fight, it would have been awesome. Estrada got COVID. But Luke, even though I messed up the details in getting excited when this fight was announced, this matchup of Roman Gonzalez, the former pound for pound king, Chocolatito, multi-division champion, in this amazing twilight at age 34 against Julio Cesar Martinez, who was the, is the champion currently at 115 and is like all action all the time and a guy who just goes after it at, at what, age 23, I think? I mean, just a guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a – I mean, he wants it, Luke. Um, He's moving up to 118 for the – I'm sorry, to 115 for this fight. He's a champion at 112. This will be super flyweight, 115. Eddie Hearn is like, dude, um, that Chocolatito Estrada 2 fight from last year is the best fight I've ever seen, ever, ringside. <laughs> Like I know he's the promoter, so his his job is to try to overhype this. But he's like, yo, I'm I'm expecting this to be like the greatest. Thing. Look, this is gonna be a fun ass action fight Sick. and an yes. opportunity again to like 
give Chocolatito the victory lap for as long as he wants to keep doing this, you know? So I looked at some tape to prepare for this on uh, Martinez, and I think, dude, it's going to be all action. First of all, to your point. I mean, <laughs> yeah, all action, boy. all action. This dude, Martinez, is bout it, bout it. But here's the thing, BC, and again, I want to pitch it back to you because you will certainly know better. From what I can tell, one of the major differences between these two, obviously age is a big one, but we're talking about style. Martinez, a little bit more straight, linear punches, a little bit more of a guy who can put things down the center quickly, put pressure behind that if he needs to. Martinez, a little bit wider with everything. I would imagine a guy like Martinez, who's been in firefights with guys like this. All, 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 granted, Martinez is a fucking hammer, but coming up in weight, Gonzalez, Chocolatito has, he just has, a, I think, just the right kind of punch selection and skills with the linear jabbing and some of the other punches he throws to, to be in a tough fight with Martinez. But I think Chocolatito's not done. And some of the style matchups here for me, yeah, I, I like I like Gonzalez here. I, I like the way him, you frame big, that, but I like him. it is smaller guy moving up with the the perfect aggressive style to bring out the best of Chocolatito. But yet it's also the potential for that to go haywire. But I agree with you. That's why Chocolatito is the favorite. I was surprised it's a, it's minus one forty Chocolatito as the favorite. Well, who, Julio Cesar Martinez plus one fifteen. I expected it to be actually a little bit wider. So to be that close. You do have to remember that 34 at these weight divisions is 115. I mean, that's ancient. That's ancient. Seriously, it's wild to think of it in those terms. But 34 is ancient for this. And we had already seen Chocolatito, you know, get one punched by by the Rat King himself, Srisaket uh, Sorungvasai, in the most brutal way possible. One fight after going through 12 brutal rounds. I can't believe Chocolatito's still this good, Luke. We all thought he beat Estrada last year. So this has a chance, again, to just be him gifting boxing and us loving him back. Luke, as a, as a hardcore boxing fan, I want to, like, pay you to do a, uh, you know, resume review or, or technical difficulty or whatever you call um, that shit, dissected on Chocolatito because his footwork is, like, I mean, it's to the way he weaves in, turns his body, throws a four-punch combination of power shots, yet never stays in the line of sight and gets out of trouble without having, like... I mean, he's got prime speed, but he doesn't have, like, you know, overwhelming speed. It's just unbelievable. And he now operating above his preferred weights and just he knows that he has to go through wars to win. I mean, look, it's it's great. Dude, this is like Elvis coming into the building for, for the real boxing fans. Like, like as much as we're saying, holy shit, Nonito Donaire, like at 38, what you 39, what he's doing. Dude, we roll the red car red carpet back out when uh when Chocolatito decides to make another return. I mean, dude. He became the pound for pound king at like 115 pounds. Like it doesn't mm -hmm. happen in this modern day in the Floyd Manny era. You know what I mean? I know like BC, the seas had to I'll, part perfectly, but like he's the best guy in the sport for a window. You know? BC, I will tell you a little secret. Um, obviously, chocolatito means little chocolate. That's the anything. If you see an ito or an ita on the end, it means they're taking something and making it little. So casita, um, pojito, whatever. Uh, do you know what my <laughs> do you know what my Colombian in-laws call me? This is true. They don't call me by my name ever. This is what they call me. Swear uh, to God. Sheet sheets gring sheet stain gringo, Luke. Is that what they call no, it? No, no. Gringito would be one. They call me that uh, sometimes. No, they call me Luquito. That is everywhere I go in that family. It's Luquito. They take it and make it little. Luquito. Yes. Luquito. 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 
Are they trying Not Luki to? Don't. It would have to be an accent on the O for it to say it that way. But just are they trying to emasculate you slowly, Luke, or is this just like a? No, 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 no. That's like a uh, to to take something and make a smaller version as a nickname or a description is actually a friendly way to do. Okay, things. it's not a. It's not. A, they're not trying to diminish it. Not at all. I guess uh, Chocolatito's dad uh, was uh, nicknamed Chocolate in the in the in the coming up, and he was Little Chocolate, so that's how he got that that nickname. But, I see. Uh, so his father the... was. Yeah. yeah. Did, did he, does he actually have the nickname, Chocolat? Yeah, that's his dad's nickname. I don't. You Chocolate, know. I think is how they say. I think how do you yeah. say chocolate in Spanish? Chocolate, I think it's it. Yeah. So, uh, look, in boxing, you find a lot of nicknames where the origin is racist, like Chino, Marcus Maidano. Like you know, it's like it's not the most politically correct setup here all the time, Luke. You know, they don't really give a damn. Uh, Luke, we got 24 minutes, but I got a great segment for you. Uh, all right. You can call me crazy, Luke, but uh, each week I tend to have some. Uh, interesting or hot or ill-educated or maybe even ignorant takes luke and um you know sometimes i put you to the test i got seven of them you tell me if no you're, you're onto something here bc or no you're fucking crazy bro 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 you crazy crazy you crazy yeah that's what it is play the animation all right i'm ready all right luke it's gonna be a little dana heavy why because he he gave a, a an interview that he was actually invested in this week with Robbie Barstool on the My Mom's Basement podcast. And by the way, Robbie Fox, Luke, thumbs up, right? We like that dude. We like that dude. Yeah, I like Robbie a lot. I've known him for some time. And, um, you know, a lot of the MMA media don't like him because he's not like traditional media, but he's a good person and I like him. Yeah, he's not trying to be what he's not. He's just living his life, it seems. Um, Dana on there said, because Islam Mahachev turned the RDA fight down on four days notice, the UFC will not <laughs> allow him to fight for the title next. They're trying to make... The Benil Dariush fight, um, presumably, Luke, that would be the final hurdle, maybe, before getting that title shot. Luke, call me crazy, but Dana's, Dana's best dirtbag mental manipulation angle here, if you wanted to do it, to try to squeeze one more payday out of Habib, would be to try to convince Nurmagomedov that his retirement is a selfish move because it's going to stunt the growth of all the fighters that he trains underneath because of the level of pettiness. That has really been the foundation of the that the UFC was built upon, Luke. I mean, a 10-what fight win streak of steamrolling MFers, and Islam still got to beat one more guy because Connor might be cutting Habib's boy's spot in line. This is the ultimate dirty backstab try to hostage Habib's heartstrings and force an ill-advised comeback fight. That is, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. That is not what's happening. I don't know, you know, I... You and I were both in agreement when he says, well, he didn't take the uh, RDA fight, so we're just going to make the Dariush fight. Like, Dariush may not be around till late summer, early fall, potentially at the earliest, depending on how things go. And so it just sounded weird. It's like the guy's ranked at six, and he needed that one to get the title shot. Like, you wouldn't have made that under any other circumstance. Why is that so necessary? But none of that has to do with Habib. Also, BC, one time I had a birthday in Columbia. Can you read that cake? <laughs> oh, my God. Luquito. <laughs> Luquito, you. I mean, Luke. Feliz I mean, cumpleaños, Luquito. I can get RJ on the horn right now. We're gonna have some Luquito merch on MorningCombat.store very, very soon. Dude, please, my my, somebody. my wife might love that. Yes, please, she might please. love R that. RJ Dunkelmaker, if you're out there, please, guy. Big Ray, okay. Uh, Luke, number two here. Speaking of Dana, he also told TMZ Sports not to count out a McGregor Diaz trilogy, and that he would be quote shocked if that fight didn't happen. Upon hearing Ooh. that, Nate Diaz hilariously quote tweeted by saying, Connor's got a Connor's 
going to have to get some wins and prove he's not so fragile first. End quote. Luke, call me crazy, but if Nate Diaz can find a way to create a little bit more of a cuddly public image sort of side thing once in a while, he has the long-term potential to be MMA's answer to Snoop Dogg, meaning he becomes the unofficial ambassador who was counterculture to start, but is just so irresistibly real and yet a cartoon character at the same time that they become mainstream. And he's always on camera and he's going to be rich as hell. I sure as heck don't see Nate ever being like a TV analyst breaking down fights or, or even really Luke having his own podcast, but he's got that sort of nineties George Foreman vibe of like crossover acceptability. If he could just put a little smile on it. Um, I don't know, Luke, it sounds like me trying to water down what makes Nate so cool, but I feel yeah, like people want to love him at this level. Do you not see that? Like, like see, if, I, see, I, with a PR, with a little off, PR though, control, see. you know, he could turn it. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Like, who has Snoop Dogg done advertising for? And the answer is everyone. Him and Shaq have basically taken up all the ad inventory on television. God bless them. I'd love to get those checks, too. But what I mean to say is he successfully navigated doing commercials for T-Mobile. Being in a commercial with fucking Martha Stewart. Could Nate Diaz be in a commercial with Martha Stewart and maintain that sort of West Coast kind of gangster credibility? I well, don't look, know. No, don't you have straight up, you have to sell out to a certain degree, but it's you're selling straight out to the dollar, though. And then it's like, like, I mean, look, even Ozzy Osbourne eventually became this when the when the when the Osbourne family reality show hit. I mean, it just became like this laughable meme. And I'm not saying, hey, Nate, make, you know, laugh at yourself more, or make yourself look out, look to be a bitch. No. But if there is a there is a sneaky, smart PR way where this actually could happen and he could set himself up as sort of like this mascot of MMA and character because he's just so damn cool, Luke, that it's just like, you know, am I wrong on there? I mean, it is. Uh, hold on. Our producers. Oh, did you see this tweet just came up from Connor? No. Like this happened uh, five minutes ago. Quote, I'll fight that shit stained Makachev, no sweat. Embarrassing ground and pound the other night, in my opinion. Pitiful punching. And then bottles the RDA fight after uh, mouthing off to him. LOL. Embarrassing. Watch when I come back. Same as before. Anyone, any weight, anywhere. Game full of shit stains. Call me crazy, BC. I don't believe him. <laughs> no, I don't believe him at all, but credit to him for, for stirring that up timing-wise. By the way, after we talked uh, last week, or last episode, right, didn't he tweet out, my next fight will be a title fight? Like, right after we were talking about how, watch, so Dana's funny. not going to care. And uh, All right, Luke, uh, let's keep it going here, though. During this week's UFC 272 Media Day, Greg Hardy called Tui Tui, Tui Vasa, excuse me, um, a, quote, crybaby liar who is scared to come fight him again. Luke, call me crazy, but uh, yo, hey, Greg, you already called Tui out and asked him to bang, and he turned into Rocco Sofredi against you. I mean, it was KO1, so you don't have the right to say trash talk like this. It's like against the rules of, and not how humanity rolls, Luke. I mean, what the hell are you, what, like, what, like, what, what is that, Luke? What the, what type, I mean, are there, those are words, but I, did I catch you a niner in there? <laughs> Bro, how many times have you seen like a, a clip of a street fight where someone just gets handled and then they get up and they're like, I bet you won't do that shit again. And then they get handled again. This is the dude like dusting himself off the street fight being like, I bet you won't. I bet you won't bang my girlfriend again. I mean, and then they just go into bang. Bus yeah, and get 
Dude, go out there and bang Spivak and then grab the mic and be like, Tui Vasa, yes, you know. Exactly. 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 I'm, I'm do, back. do something first. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Luke, uh, Dana White also told Robbie Fox, quote, speaking of Connor, by the way, anybody who is pissed off because Connor might fucking get a title shot, you're a fucking idiot, too. If that pisses you off, Jesus Christ, calm down, buddy. End quote. Uh, <laughs> God, that's on brand, Luke. I mean, that is just mother effing on brand. Luke, call me crazy, but the only thing about this situation that should actually be pissing Dana off is that anyone is actually talking about this and not talking about the fact that Colby Covington is the A-side of Saturday's pay-per-view and yet isn't getting any pay-per-view points. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you saying he's the A-side because at yesterday's presser, he arguably got more cheers than Jorge? No, I'm saying because the way that 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 UFC presents the event from the news, you know, the the from how the news breaks to the poster, the name first is the A side. This is Covington versus Masvidal. Are you so, sure? I mean, you could obviously argue that right. Jorge is bringing much more fans, but every piece of poster or or lower third, it's Masvidal versus Covington. Or, or, uh, yeah, you, exactly. I'm sorry, Covington versus Masvidal. There you go. Yeah, Damn, that's unusual. I I, you don't see it that often. I I did see it one time when I covered a Tito Ortiz fight for Bellator. He was fighting Liam McGeary, and McGeary was the champ at that time. And so the title of the whatever Bellator number was, I'm just going to say 100. It wasn't, but whatever number it was, it was like Bellator 100, Ortiz versus McGeary. But you understood that in the San Jose yeah. market because Tito Ortiz was a much bigger name. Okay, that, that makes sense. But is Covington a much bigger name than Masvidal? I just... No, I think they look at it as he's... I don't think so. He has a brighter... He has more, he ha, it's arguable that he has potential to make more big fights at you know at a longer distance given his age than Masvidal, even though yes, they're only three. That years is apart. certainly true. Yes. And yes. you know, yeah, like in and, and if they, they want to leave open the door of, of him getting back in for a third Usmov, yeah, of course. It's all part of the PR ideal. That's why you look at the two stocks and you go, Covington's the A side. But Luke, how do you like how are they in this like we already okay, I'm not re don't Luke, don't relitigate the fight pay thing because I got 14 great minutes left in me here, Luke. But um, I mean, how do you even sign on at that point? What choice does he have? <laughs> I, that's you answered it. But like, how is that even like, it's just our reality. We're so used to covering boxing. We're like, that would never fly for, you know, to your point, the a name in the, in the, in the poster, but it's like, why did he do it? Probably because of all of his options, this was, whether it was good or not, his best one. So he took it. I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's wild how this world works, Luke. Uh, indeed. All right. Uh, last week, Luke, the UFC moved an already scheduled lightweight bout between Donald Cerrone and Joe Lozon to May 7th, UFC 274. Cowboy, of course, tied with Jim Miller for the most UFC wins at 23. And anytime you get two beloved veteran action heroes together at this age, you expect sloppy violence, and you probably expect Twitter to call for the loser to retire. So, Luke, it, with that in mind, call me crazy, but I know the MK fan base mostly hates pro wrestling and hates when I even mention anything to do with it, and they certainly God hate when him. I use the term loser leaves town match to describe certain UFC fights, but that's kind of what they are, and that's kind of what they should be. Just like how much UFC celebrates the fighter's birth into the UFC system through tough or the Dana White Contender Series, the fighters have to fight and win to secure a job. The end of this combat food cycle should also be celebrated the same way. 
every other UFC pay-per-view card should feature mm. one specific fight matching two name and sort of, you know, loved but journeyman action heroes who are close enough to the same weight. They've got the Cerrone and Lozon reputation and the loser is likely going to get cut anyway. So you make this loser leaves town. The winner gets a big fight because of it. The loser has to retire for at least one year. But those losers, Luke, they're sent off with respect and a 50K bonus package severance mm. to ease that transition into retirement. If the fighters themselves made that a condition, I'd be all in favor of it. If the promotion made that a condition, I'd be like, that's way too heavy handed. But honestly, to your point, this is about as good of a case for that as any. Joe Lozano has been off for a while, and I, I talked to him once, and he was like, eh, I'm just waiting. You know, I don't need to take a fight. He's got a school. He saved a bunch of money. You know, like he knows he's, he doesn't have a lot of time left. He just wanted to take one that, you know, made sense for the time and the place and the opponent. And was like, if it's the right one, then I'll do it. That kind of a thing. And so Cerrone fits that bill. Conversely, we've been saying Cerrone should retire already. If you lost to Lazan, not that that would be some kind of shameful thing, but just, you know, the accumulation at that point. Dude, this is actually, if you were going to do it, this is a great candidate to do it. I would actually say that's not crazy. Okay. I mean, it's pro wrestling. I mean, it's basically how Ric Flair's retirement match against Shawn Michaels was promoted of all these matches ahead of time. If he lost, he had to be done. Uh, and then finally, you lose on WrestleMania, Luke. Okay? I know that's not yeah, your who, shit. Who could, who could possibly care about that? Not me. You know, you know, I love you. That was the great those HBK. Yeah, all right, Luke. One day, dude. My uh, friend, Luke. my friend, my friend, who's an attorney, moved to Tampa, and he has this local like sports bar near his house. I've sent you these pictures. Every time he goes there, this has happened now four times. Uh, every time he goes there, Ric Flair is sitting at the bar with a dude. gaggle of people, usually women, and he's just Ric Flaring it up. And dude, apparently, he just he's broke the talk up. of the town down there. He just broke up with his wife again, and like they parted ways mutually. But it, it basically, by the by the words he put out there, he, it kind of was like he just wants to live out the final years as wild and you know, like because you know he obviously almost died and, and had that horrific uh, scenario to you know in the hospital. And you know, she he's just sort of like okay. I mean, it's like dude, he's he's still. It, it's not only he's still living it; I, he can't not live it. That's that's like that's who he is, Luke. Okay, he's yeah, a mascot yeah. for living it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's who the nature took, boy is. I took is. one sip of malt liquor on that roof and I wanted to die. Old yeah. fucking Rick is out there. What is Rick? Late 60s, early 70s or something? Yeah. And, but just in, in you know, he, I mean, his body's been, been through hell, Luke, and back. Not, you know, the whole career, right? I mean, that's, he, I mean, Luke, he was not only just a, in his late 50s into even like 60s, he was, forget competent, he was still technically like a, 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 an exceptional wrestler and physical performer. Like, it's, it's, he's that freak of nature, like a, uh, by the way, like uh, the Rolling Stones guitarist, right? You know what I mean? Where you're just like, you're never going to die. Keith Richards? Never going to die. Yeah, yeah, just like Keith Richards, right? You're like, just made of who's something done, different. Who's done more drugs, Keith Richards or Ric Flair? Wow. You know, I'd say because Rick is, Rick's probably done it all, but because he's such a drinker, I'd say it's much more likely that Keith's done more, but like who's consumed more if you add alcohol to that and cigarettes yeah. and you just go straight in. I mean, I don't, you know, I'd like to see a lot of their stats to be fair. Look, you know what I'm I, saying? I, I, I want to see evidence of blood in Keith Richards, heroin stream. That's really what I'm looking for uh, here. I, I really I don't wasn't have thinking any. that I was thinking more about space mountain. Luke. you know, it's a long line, right? Yeah. Oldest ride in the park. Uh, Luke, Ariel Hawani caught up with Tyson Fury and the lineal and WBC heavyweight champion, 
said he would retire from boxing for good after fighting Dillian White on April 23rd and would then fight Francis Ngannou with four-ounce gloves at Raiders Stadium and then from there on only accept carnival or crossover fights until the end of his career. Luke, uh, there's a reason why this factoid didn't make a <laughs> didn't make a news item in our show this week. Call me crazy, but there probably wasn't a single word said by Fury in that entire interview. That wasn't a lie. Sometimes, of course, Luke, you can get a dialed in Fury, but this guy just says wild shit all the time. The answers will change from interview to interview, like minutes apart. And if you're not a hardcore fight fan, you get fooled each time. Like, I mean, it's like hilarious in one way. It's it's sort of this Andy Kaufman style of like purposely irritant comedy. But um, I, I it's it's unbelievable that it just keeps happening, Luke. I will say you're not crazy. However, I will say a he might take a break after beating Dillian White, assuming he beats Dillian White. Number one, so you might see him like, you know, not getting back at it. Number two. I do think he takes one circus fight before it's all said and done. Whatever that is, how that is, I don't know, but I do think he'll take one. Yeah, I mean, he already did the WWE thing, and he's talking about wanting. No, to no, go no, back no. But I mean, like a sanctioned, like oh, whether it's Francis or some shit. Oh uh, no, I get, I get your point, but all of that does fall under the same circus and Big Ten at the end of the day. I got sure. one more. Call me crazy. Look, we'll see if this segment ever comes back. Who knows? Uh, speaking of Tyson Fury, him and Dillian White sold eighty-four thousand tickets to their April 23rd fight at London's Wembley Stadium in three minutes. 84,000 tickets in three minutes. Promoter Frank Warren, who outbid Eddie Hearn for the record-shattering purse-bid victory, is trying to actually get Wembley Stadium reworked to get the full capacity to somewhere just under 100,000 so they can break the record set by Anthony Joshua and Vladimir Klitschko in England um, when they did 90,000 in 2017. Luke, call me crazy, but I feel like the combat sports culture in the UK and in Ireland is so insanely intoxicating right now and rabid that even you and I could do a live morning combat episode in London with three months notice and the promise of special guests in the advertisement, and we could put 5,000 asses in the seats. Depends on the ticket price. <laughs> um, Luke, tell me. Yeah, we I think we could actually. You, you, no, you're damn fucking right. We could, Luke. And that's not all about how big our balls are or how big and great our style and show is. But Luke, them motherfuckers are like, they, 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 Luke, they, they, they don't want the smoke. They need it, Luke. That's their lifestyle. They're fighters. You know, I am an eighth Irish. That's probably always in the back of your mind when I size you up, Luke. I don't believe you. I mean, us Lithuanians are tough as well. I don't know about the French Canadian side, Luke. I think that's my emotional side, but, you know, us Lithuanians, I mean, we're already, you know, kind of about it, but you add that eighth of Irish, Luke, that little proper 12 right on top, right? You know? <laughs> yes, I mean, that's Luke, the key. You'll get the real Irish out of BC with just pour some alcohol on top. Luke, but here's the deal, though. I mean, there's many people that have done the live podcast thing, and, you know, and sometimes they fill. I used to do the wrestling podcast Cheap Heat with Peter Rosenberg. We'd fill a, you know, a couple hundred seat theater, and it'd be a hilariously fun live show. 5K, Luke. 5K, bro. Could be We're done. Need some it guests. Would be, it would be difficult, but we could do it. We could do it. I mean, what if we got a great guest that, like, 
You know what I mean? That they just we got, like, what if we got shit. Tyson Fury and Dillian White? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got like half the cast of like, uh, what's the soccer show, Luke, that we all love? Yeah. The soccer show? Yeah, the damn soccer show on Apple Plus. What the hell is it? Luke, my brain's just turning off. It's, um, oh, uh, the greatest show the, ever. With the coach who's American. Yeah. Tatiana Suarez. Got it. Okay. Yes. yes. Tatiana Suarez is the name of that show. Yes. Again. Uh, Luke, call me crazy. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Thank you. Luke, I think we can do it. We will team up with those blokes and make this happen. All right. Good to know. Do you think we need a musical guest? Yes. We need, we need a jackal. The uh, sound guy. Oh, dude, that dude. Whatever. In a, the guy in our dot. Luke's talking about the guy in doc six. Who is like yes. the 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 white guy with the dreads? Who's like one of our um, and he's like a freelancer and he's worked on some of our morning combat shoots. And if you look him up on Instagram, he's like a influencer slash um, EDM producer. And like, yo, Luke, like it's just this dude holding the boom mic for us. And then he's like, no, dude, I I DJ'd at these like you know world festivals and stuff. You know, he DJ'd like, at Coachella and he has some of the music at every single uh, Golden Knights game that they play. It's wild. Shout out to Jackal, right? Well, by the way, our producers say we could get Maniche and the music he makes, plus Jackal, plus Often Spaced, and then oh, as shit. the closer, we could get Pennington James to really make sure that the audience okay, comes okay. out early. Well, look, Pennington James is going to have to be the curtain jerker. I forgot that. Yo, Maniche can Maniche can ball. And what is um what is Gaff's um hip hop stage name, Luke? Is it Often Spaced? Spaced? I don't know. Often yeah. Spaced. Yes. Yes. Dude, here's then, the thing. If there's a fire in the building, rather than hitting the fire alarm, we'll just tell Pennington James to play, and that will just clear out the room just the same. <laughs> Luke, I love that um, everyone on Malka, they got like, they got hopes and dreams. I don't know if they have the, the ways and means, Luke, but they got, like, what I'm saying is they're just waiting, they're busting tables right now, but they're coming for it. You know what I'm saying? And, and hey, Malka staff, if you're coming this on. This is why. Come on, that's why is, I always tell Manich. I'm like, yo, is this just a hobby or is this you? Is this your life? You know what I'm saying? This you is, only this get is one why shot. Pennington James, this is why Pennington James never plays in front of crowded theaters because it's actually illegal for him to play because it causes such a mad rush to the exit that it ends up like a Rhode Island theater or a bar or whatever. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You're talking about the Great White? <laughs> yes. Are we doing the uh, are we doing that bit again? I'm for that bit, dude. I got I got I saw you know, I, I just... saw I saw old highlights of it and it was a terrible human tragedy. I'm like, wow, yeah. Pennington James really he's making them yeah. hit the exit, huh? Do you think uh Sally from Staten Island's got some bars too, Luke? I mean everybody in our, on that team can can except for Jake. Jake's just a brilliant documentarian. And then that weird guy Phil, he got he's probably just chasing old women, Luke, but uh yeah, all right. Luke, Phil went to Vanderbilt. Who knew, right? Yeah, but did he graduate? I mean, he went to Vanderbilt. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've okay. been to Yale. I didn't graduate. <laughs> One day, I'll tell you the story about how I drove across the quad at Yale accidentally. Luke, that's not a good story at all. Yeah. Um, all right, Luke. Um, I think that's it. 90 minutes. Probably the best 90 minutes of your day. No, we have, to do, we have to do dead wrong, fuckface. Oh, God. You serious? Oh. Go through them quickly. Go through them yeah. quickly. Yeah, you know, I I had time. I told you I had this shit under control. That I had the ninety minutes timed out. That didn't include hoisted, dead wrong. Wasted no, by your own petard. Wow, uh, Taylor says no. This is Harry and Ben. Hey, BC, you old bitch. Oh God, Luke. At one of this is starting of, out great. Of Friday show, you said that Josh Taylor secured all four light welterweight belts by stopping Jose Ramirez late. 
actually, despite Taylor dropping Ramirez in round six and seven, he secured the unanimous decision points when you're damn right. I got that wrong. I'm writing this on Saturday morning from a rain, very rainy Glasgow, 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 and can't and can't wait for the fights later on. Oh, he this he must have wrote this before the Taylor fight. He's like, yo, I hope this fight is the stepping stone towards Josh Taylor getting the international respect that he deserves. Luke, somebody yeah, no. should tell this guy that uh, <laughs> it didn't yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah, speaking I, speaking of dead wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe you should look in the mirror over there in uh, Scotland. So yeah, all right, uh, Luke. On the this is uh, Michael on the February twenty eighth show. BC did what he does best, which is talk out of his ass. <laughs> See, I don't know why people don't like this segment. This segment is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Uh, in the middle of him reading Gegard Mousasi's resume, he somehow read Gegard's win over Douglas Lima as a stoppage, even though it was a decision victory. I can't tell if it's part of his shtick to be illiterate or if he's just bad at his job. Can we sub BC out for an actual professional like Ariel Helwani? Wow. wow. Well, well, you know. Oh. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> wow. I'm Luke, I'm sure if I ever risen myself out of this job soon, uh that will be Ariel Wani filling in that's coming through that curtain. For, but um yeah, for now you Morning this, Canada this, over here. Morning Canada. <laughs> for now this chair is mine. That boy is mine. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> that gross sweaty carcass of a hairy man. Yeah, that's uh that's mine. Um on Monday's episode, well oh no, that's the same one. Let's keep this moving. This is from a bunch of people, Luke. They're coming after you. During Wednesday's show, Luke said that Danger Mouse's fan submission was him eating noodles to Linkin Park lyrics. Those lyrics are, in fact, not from Linkin Park. Remember the Name is a song by Fort Minor. Innocent mistake, but I personally love their music, so I caught it immediately. Yo, all love from Teaneck, New Jersey. It's Joseph. What is... Uh, yeah, I don't know anything about Fort Minor. Uh, and candidly, uh, Linkin Park, it turns out. So... Yo, what there about the go. nerve on on Jay Aaron to try to to try to tell you that Shine Down is the greatest rock band in history, and then go, Yo, they got the most number one hits of any other band, and and you in like you're like, is like, are there are there cameras? Is this a is this a, a routine? Like, is you know what I mean? Like, is there gonna be a like a? Fort Minor is the rapper. Oh, isn't that Mike Shinoda? Oh, Manich. Luke, you I just got schooled super, in super real time. Yeah. So, Manich, are so you apparently saying... the rapper? Yes. Manich, the people yes, can't I was hear Fort you right, Minor now, right? Yeah, yeah, we got to get Gaff uh, a microphone that the audience can hear. But, but he basically says it's the rapper from Lincoln Park, and there's the, the, so it's not like super super wrong, but it's wrong. So, indeed. Also, right, I don't give a fuck about Lincoln Park's music, and I don't think it's good. So, there you go. Yo, if that one song comes on, though, right? What? Oh, no, I'm thinking of that other awesome song, Luke, that Evanescence song. Yo, if that Evanescence song comes on the, you comes like on the serious. Yo, bro, I'm shutting that shit down. You break me down. You know what I'm saying, Luke? Yeah. You know? I'll just go full vape on you, This Luke. is a yeah. very low-T moment for me. Yeah, I mean, was, very low-T. That was a, me being that human. That was, I was like a human vape, Luke. I was just like, this is who I am. <laughs> You can't change me, you know? Don't change me, mom and dad. <laughs> All right. Hey, Micah's here. At roughly 43.30 of Wednesday's pod, BC refers to Islam Mahachev as undefeated 
Uh, he waves the Motumbo finger at me and says, no, no, no. Adriano Martins put the big old L on his resume in 2015. Side note, at 122 of Wednesday's show, a Sith Lord sounding voice appears to move you guys along. Was that Gaff or Corey? Blessings upon you. It's Micah. I don't know Spooky. who that was. Right. I hope it was Gaff. I hope it was Gaff spitting spitting hot rhymes under the uh, off in space uh, label, Luke. Okay. Okay. Good to know. All right. Uh, they're calling out my uh, Canadian. They want they want to revoke my Canadian passport. This is uh, Andre Ladosier. Ladosier. Ladosier, Luke. He says, is it manure or manure? Touk or toque? Uh, uh, Mounier. Mounier. I hereby rescind BC's complimentary passport to Canada. You have no ties here, sir. Good luck in Lithuania. Wow. Bro, first Hold of on. all. I don't think that was the only thing he corrected you on because I got this email as well. Um, there's more. He says you got m- manure or mounier, yeah, took or toque. And then I said that. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, I said those. Okay. I missed that part. Sorry. Uh, sorry. sorry. I he heard also. The part. Um, first of all, Andre, uh, you're not the giant, and uh, I'm French Canadian, which means I'm Quebecian. That's where my that's where my great great grandparents uh, come from. So, um, they what do you call believe, people from Quebec? They never believed they were part of Canada anyway. Okay, you know what I'm saying? So what, it's what, all good. What do you call people from Quebec, BC? Just I'm going to verify this. Um, you know. It's the, I call it, see how, how, what we really call it, it's in French, so I, you know, I, I didn't know the exact. Yes, it's a French word. What is it? Uh, the, the Quebecois. That's right. Very good. Quebec, Quebecois. That's right. From people uh, Luke, from uh, also one fan, this is per, I think this is from Mikey. Oh, yeah. Hell, so one fan is saying that Luke told the, oh, they're saying you, you told the Bruce Hornsby story on MK to Aaron Bronstetter while I was on vacation. So not a real dead wrong but a side note, okay. but Luca follow up. Somebody DM me. I wish I had their name. And they said, Hey, by the way, Bruce Hornsby's son who grew up in Williamsburg was a guard on LSU and is now playing hoops internationally. He's a six foot three uh-huh. guard. Luke. I had no idea. I Luke? didn't know that. That's cool. I mean, he was, was even born when I was in college. I was in college 20 years ago. So yeah, uh, I don't yo, even that, know that he was born. Hornsby can that, fucking ball. Yo, that means that Bruce is still after that shit, right? You know what I'm Yo, saying? Yo, Bruce I mean, is out there just dunking on these haters. <laughs> yeah. I made you know, mandolin rain. He's like, and that's just the way it is. You know what I mean? Some things will never change for old horned up Bruce Hornsby. That's what I'm talking about. That's how men do. Uh, Luke, I was six minutes too late, um, which is never a phrase about. either of us have ever, ever, uh, <laughs> ever uttered, Luke. But... Um, Yes, I've never told another woman. This took six minutes longer than I expected. <laughs> and I was expecting. Okay. Yeah, there it is. Uh, yeah. Luke, I can't wait one day. To, if we, if you, if one of, like, imagine if you and I became, like, litigious podcast hosts and we sued each other. Luke, like, when, when this full, when this show eventually breaks apart, Luke, I want it to be, I want it to end in a lawsuit where they have to, like, go back and, like, bring out all the text messages and e- emails. And they're like, wow, these two foul, lewd morons were made for each other guys just get back together i mean what are you doing here you know yeah we are i'll see you in court i'll see you motherfucker in court. <laughs> high court <laughs> yes i'll see you in court high court or regular court high either way either, either way, way uh yeah you're still guilty as sin uh that's the great luke thomas i'm uh your boy bc morning combat at gmail.com is the email address for those type of dead wrongs there's our social channels follow us uh 
morningcombat.store is uh, the launch of our St. Patrick's Day. So if you're Irish or you like Irish people or, um, you know, if you got an eighth of toughness in you like me, you can head on over there. There's onesies. Look, we sell onesies now. It's amazing. Amazing. How wholesome Outfit is that? Outfit your babies. I mean, the onesie has like beer, beer mugs on it. But Luke, that's pretty wholesome. All right. <laughs> I won't even. Yes. Uh, very wholesome content. Yes. Very Luke's wholesome. like, actually, can you put the, the BC and Luke face somewhere around the <laughs> coach? <laughs> coach, please. Please, coach. Okay. Big Jer, just take a step. Big Jer, step back. Okay. Okay. Just, yeah. Yeah. No, say, the COVID's over, but six feet distance there, coach. Thank you very much. Um, for everyone at Malka, Showtime, CBS Sports. That's Luke Thomas. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Luke, will you be giving the people what they want post 272? Be right here after the fights. Post fight show. We got you covered and uh, should be a good time. I'll see you guys then. That's it. Enjoy the fights on BC. Two words. We out.